Eric Holcomb takes the oath of office and unveils his budget proposal. The U.S. Senate takes its first step toward repealing the Affordable Care Act. That, plus a new name for the I-STEP and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending January 13th, 2017. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. This week, Eric Holcomb was sworn into office as Indiana's 51st governor. And the Constitution. Speaking to a crowd of around 3,000 at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, one that included former governors Evan Bayh, Mitch Daniels, and Mike Pence, new Governor Eric Holcomb set the stage for his administration's goals. Despite our standing, despite our ongoing momentum, we can't afford to get complacent or take our eyes off the ball. Too many Hoosiers and their families feel like they've been left out or are in danger of being left behind. Holcomb talked about meeting the challenges of addressing the state's drug epidemic and building a workforce for the future. This is where I will focus every day on ways to take our state to that next level, to make Indiana a place where people thrive, where they can get a good, fulfilling, well-paid job and a world-class education, where our kids are well taken care of, where we have growing opportunities and the freedom to take advantage of them. The theme of Holcomb's speech was pioneers, from the state's agricultural roots up to the technological innovators of today. Did Holcomb's inaugural address set the right tone for the next four years? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Indiana Public Broadcasting Statehouse reporter Brandon Smith. Ann Delaney, were you inspired by Governor Holcomb? Is that a trick question, Brandon? <laughs> I wasn't intending it to be Come a trick question. Okay. Okay. Come on. Come it, on. It, well, to be fair about this, I mean, his delivery was fine, but the, it was neither inspirational nor aspirational for that, from that point of view. I mean, when he talks about taking to the next level, his idea of the next level is a little incremental baby step. When you want something that's inspirational, you want a real vision. We've neglected education. We've neglected the infrastructure. People are not making as much money as they should be making for the jobs that they're working. I want something that really talks about those needs, and he didn't do it. It's almost like he wants to do as little as he can to hold the office to appear to be doing something without really having an impact on the state of Indiana, I'm afraid. Were you inspired by? I was, and actually I I tweeted that um, during the speech that I thought it was very Holcomb-esque, very upbeat, inspiring and really focused on bringing people together for a common purpose. I think that he is going to be a tremendously successful governor, and I thought that he struck the right balance between honoring past accomplishments, talking about tapping into the pioneer spirit of our state, and also looking forward and underscoring that he wants to make long-term decisions, not just for today, but out into the future on a whole host of topics that include infrastructure, the drug crisis, Yeah, but the problem is that the solutions he's proposing are, are little and tiny for problems that are big and substantial. And that's the difficulty. I don't want somebody to address the real problems, not to simply say we're going to spend X number of dollars on roads. I want a funding mechanism. I want a way to make sure that our roads are going to be and bridges and ports are going to be in good condition in five and ten years. He's not doing that. 
he, he spoke specifically about a very broad long-term plan for infrastructure funding, which I think is one of the strongest messages that we've had on infrastructure in, and how in is the he recent pay years. For it? How is he, he going to pay for it? He's proposing a variety of options, which he talked about in his press conference, but also, as you know, the process, he's placed the starting point, his priorities, and will work the, with the so legislature to So he wants the legislature to, to lead the charge you know, for whatever taxes need to be increased. He's talked about a variety of different things. That's where you have inspiration, is when you have leadership, and that's what's lacking. I think it is leadership to call for some of these things, I, which, as you know, some of them are not very popular with our base. If you call for things, then you also propose a way to fund it, and you advocate that, and you go and you lobby for that. I don't see that. Mm -hmm. I see him saying, this is the, what I'd like, find a way to fund it for me. John Ketzenberger, Eric Holcomb talks a lot about the next level. He's been beating that into the ground a little bit uh, through the campaign and, and certainly through the transition. Um, given that he's following on 12 years of Republican leadership at almost every level, is there much of a next level to go to? Well, the answer to that is yes, uh, but it's a difficult uh, balance for him because he doesn't want to denigrate anything that's come before, even if he happens to disagree with it. Um, and he needs to carry uh, momentum forward. I think Anna's right in that you need, uh, as a governor, to be aspirational and inspirational. I think it's probably a little unfair, Ann, to, to hit him over the head when he's been in office for a week. But, um, but, but you know, that's okay. Thank you. Um, and I think that, um, you know, he'll get better at it as he goes. But, you know, you hinted at the cliché, and he's going to have to watch that. Um, but he does need to start thinking about those kinds of things, and he does need to think about leading the legislature. Uh, you know, we came out to earlier uh, that, that uh, Speaker Bosma is looking for him to help them on the tax issue because uh, it is difficult for Republicans to talk about raising taxes. When we talk about raising the billions of dollars necessary for the, the transportation program, you have to raise taxes. Um, they've couched it, they being uh, the folks who in the legislature have been driving this so far, have couched it in user fees and philosophy and all that, and that's all fine. But the reality is, is you have to extract more uh, revenue from taxpayers in order to pay for this program. And the governor's going to have to lead that. Um, if this is going to be part of his taking Indiana to the next level, then he has to be the person. <laughs> and, 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 and Brian Bosman and Luke Kenley, I talked to them this week about that very idea. And they, they're both looking to Eric Holcomb in his State of the State address They next need him week to do that. That's for, right. For that you very know, thing. You know, though, I don't think he ever promised uh, soaring rhetoric or sorts of, you know, Let's get out and storm the beaches kind of, of verbiage. But should we that. expect that from a governor no, a actually, little bit? No, I think in fairness, if I, my read on what Eric Holcomb wants to bring to that office is state government that works and works effectively for all Hoosiers. And if you look at some of the planks in his platform and his budget, they're not the sexiest things. New computer system for Department of Revenue. Absolutely yeah. necessary. Right. And you talked, we talked last week about the water distribution system and supply in Indiana. You know, that's not sexy, but Gotta setting up happen. an information hub that looks at data about reliable water supplies and sources and the, the movement of that water through, in many cases, dilapidated pipes. Is that sexy? No, but I think what he's offering is government that works and is effective and efficient. And you criticize some of his predecessors for engaging in lofty rhetoric but not delivering computer systems that work. Or, or, I don't you know, believe I did. Well, that's well, all right, John. Let's, make no, your let's look at some better. Of, how about some of the DMV uh, <laughs> refunds that you well, criticized? Well, it's not, it's not simply the computer. I don't argue about the right. computer system. But one of the other problems, it seems to me, is that we're not paying those state employees. That was I, been part of my well, biggest argument. there is an argument. increase for state police but, in there. But I do but think not Hoosiers, for the BMV I think in fairness, 
Hoosiers want a government that works and works effectively, and I think no that's, what he's, that. that's what he's looking but at as opposed to. But that's not all they want. They want a way to make this state great, okay? They want to look at these roads and think that they're working. They want to look at the schools and be proud of them. But a computer system that calculate, calculates your tax bill properly great, might be a step in the right that's direction. a step in the right direction, that's but it's a, not to the next level. It's just an itty-bitty step. So maybe it's make Indiana great again? I don't know. I'm or just maybe that make out. Indiana work again? <laughs> but we, it has to be, because the sign on the side of the building says Indiana work. That's right. I saw that, so we don't need to worry about that. Moving on, one day after Governor Holcomb was sworn in, members of his team unveiled his proposed budget. Holcomb's budget would appropriate $280 million new dollars for K-12 education over the next two years. That amounts to a 1% increase in the budget's first year and a 2% increase in the second. Office of Management and Budget Director Micah Vincent acknowledges that the governor's proposal is a starting point in the budget process, and he notes that Holcomb's budget keeps reserve levels of at least $1.8 billion, which he says is critical to maintaining the state's fiscal discipline. Other notable Holcomb budget increases include money for a state police pay raise and a $100 million increase in the Department of Child Services budget. Uh, Jennifer Hollowell, should schools be satisfied with increases of only 1% and 2%? Well, first of all, let me say that our state K-12 education funding saw its largest increase in recent years under Governor Pence. We are already funding education at a very high level. It's 52% of the state budget. And this proposed additional $280 million is not insignificant. I mean, I think we are investing a lot of money into education, and we also want to make sure that we're getting results for those dollars. We talk about education as, as the priority. Is 1% and 2% no. indicative of a priority? No, because our funding in 2008, we just now, in 2015, got to the level of funding for education we were in in 2008. All right, we're just there. But $980 million of that increase over that period of time went for three experiments, the virtual schools, the charter schools, and the vouchers. The 94% of the students in traditional public schools saw none of that benefit or very little of that benefit. So 1% and 2%, and also I have the question, of where does that 1% and 2% go? Does it go into the charter schools and the virtual schools and the vouchers? And do the other 94% in all the school districts all around here, not just IPS, but Hancock and Johnson and Hamilton counties and all of these counties that are struggling because the money has not been there under the Republicans for K-12 through education. So no, 1% and 2% is not enough. She talked about, and this is what lawmakers have been saying, they made two significant uh, education spending increases in the last two budgets, so should schools just be okay with a relatively modest increase at this point? Well, schools will be okay with whatever they get, um, <laughs> but I think that uh, from, a, from a performance perspective, and if they really do want to push money back into the classroom, and I think that's a fair question, Ann, about where the money and how it's divided and what, where in the, in, the, in the formula process does the majority of that money go. If it doesn't go to the foundation grant, um, then it means it's not going to eventually find its way into the salaries and to the teachers. And basically $300 million over a two-year period won't even keep up with inflation. So it is a really low-ball figure, even though it comes after um, a period of greater expense. Keep in mind, we're early in the process. And I may be wrong about this. I haven't researched it. But memory, if memory serves, I don't think Mike Pence's most no, recent budget had any uh, increase, if I'm not... I think there were little increases, but it maybe. wasn't on this level. It, it wasn't where it ended up at the end. It, certainly process. not. And granted, the economy's changed, and there were maybe more austere times uh, early in that administration. But it's not unheard of for governors to come out with a flatline budget uh, and, and move up from there. But I think Ann's point is a good one. Just how much money you throw at the issue of education 
yeah, that's one indicator, but it's how the money is divvied up. And if it, and if it's a majority of it, or I should say, majority of new dollars are going to non-traditional non-traditional programs, that doesn't do a lot. Certainly for those districts that are struggling, rural districts, public lot, school it districts, doesn't do a lot for the ninety-four percent of the students that are in traditional public schools. Well, speaking of education, we got a first look this week at the House Republican plan to replace the state's I-Step test. The legislation calls for a new statewide assessment program called iLearn. The new test would be given in the 2018-2019 school year under the House GOP bill. But as Senate Republicans unveiled their agenda this week, which includes a priority on replacing iStep, Senate Education Committee Chair Dennis Cruz indicated the current test could be around for two more school years. It takes a couple years to develop a new test, and we want to do it right this time based on our standards. So we want to start from zero and move up and develop a test that's based on our Indiana standards, which I think is some of the educators rightfully have said this test that we have now uh, was not really vetted and tested itself properly. Senate Republican leader David Long also sharply criticized the I-STEP test, while House Speaker Brian Bosma emphasizes that while it's too long and takes too long to grade, the current test measures what it's supposed to. John Katzenberger, how should students feel about having to take the current test, whether it has a new name or not, for at least another year? Uh, I don't know. Um, enough of the puns. Sorry, we had enough of never, those. Never too many puns. Come uh, on. It, you know, the transition is, is probably necessary. We've seen the rush to make these tests work in the past. It's not been a good idea. Um, I think it's okay. I mean, if I'm the student, I'm not going to like it much. But I, as long as it's not held against them uh, or against their their schools um, in a dramatic fashion. I mean, part of the problem with all of this is the high stakes high stakes nature uh, of the tests that had grown into this. So you need to have some kind of an accountability. Um, and you need to make sure that they that they um, are learning what we think they're learning. Uh, but you know, I, I, you got to have a transition period. I, I wouldn't like it as a student, but that's what it is. John, we we had House Speaker Brian Bosom saying the test is mostly fine. We need to shorten it. We need to grade it quicker. But otherwise, it's fine. And then you had Senate leaders who were going, "Oh, this thing was terrible. It was never vetted. It wasn't developed properly. It was too fast." Those are those mixed messages a real problem? In the end, I think it will all get worked out, because, and that the, the side that will prevail is that which says, maybe we did work too fast before when we threw away Common Core tests that were tied to Common Core. A lot of work had gone into those. They went out, and then, boom, we had another test. Nobody liked it. I think there is, will be consensus that there is going to be maybe a 2019 start on this yeah. is, is all uh, where this probably would end up. Now, we... What makes good education and good test scores? Homework. And I'm not sure if there needs to be more homework done on this particular bill in that <laughs> I think, I'm not a lawyer like Ann, but I believe I learned this trademarked uh, in the private sector. Now, whether that affects the use of a non-commercial use such as uh, that by the state of Indiana, I don't know. Or maybe the, there needs to be a certain allocation in the budget to pay for use of a, tra of a copyrighted or trademark term. Does it, does it really matter if they change the name if they're not changing the test in the short term? They should scrap the test. They don't need a transition period. They don't need to develop another test. There are tests that can be bought off the shelves that great institutions in this country of higher learning use to determine whether or not students are ready and, and, and are learning. We could buy one of those for a fraction of the cost, a fraction of the but cost. But none of those tests matches 
measures everything that's in current statute. You'd have to change the requirements of the statute. You change the statute because you know what? It's more important that our students be evaluated against the students from the other 49 states. There's nothing unique about the way students learn in Indiana. That's what Common Core was all about. Well, you know what? Institutions of higher learning are using these and they're using them successfully. What's wrong with our students taking it and finding out how we compare to the other states? And why are we spending... I don't know how many man hours or women hours and how much money developing a test when they're already out there. Although it's at the high school level, this bill, this legislation, I believe, would use one of those tests yeah, that you're talking about. We ought to use it. We ought to, we, we ought to adapt it down for whatever grades we need it at, and we don't need to, do, you know, to reinvent the wheel, which is what we insist on doing in this state. Jennifer, John talked a little bit about accountability and how much, I mean, the I-STEP is, is really a big part of the accountability system. Right. If the test is flawed, should we really be using it so much in accountability for this one or two years we're going to still use it? Well, I I think that may have to be balanced, but I strongly believe that we should take whatever time is necessary, hopefully as quickly as possible, to come up with the right test and the right solution. And I would think that we would all agree that we don't want to go through multiple changes of multiple tests over the next few years. So if it means an extra year or two to get to that point, that's what I think we should do. But parents, teachers, students, probably not happy about that. Well, I I think that as we've seen, we've made adjustments and balanced things over the last couple years with some of these concerns, and I expect that they would do that. Plus, I don't think teachers are necessarily happy with the impact well, of the old test because they're, in many cases, they're bonuses. No, this has been, this has been a fluctuating situation yeah, for so, a while now. Right, so those right. teachers might not actually mind a little, a bit of a weight if, in fact, they're on the upside of that whole well, equation. What it, what it tells you is that students from, from more affluent districts do better, okay? We, we don't need a test for that. We know that. All right. That doesn't that doesn't necessarily mean that the the teachers in the less affluent districts aren't doing the best they can. But we're penalizing them, and we've been having a war on teacher teachers in this in this state for the last twelve years. Well, Republican lawmakers, but Republican lawmakers are talking about changing that, that, that would formula be good. significantly this session. That would be good. Well, time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question is: I learn a good new name for the state's student assessment. A, yes, B, no, or C, I don't care. It's not the name that's the problem. Last week's question, are fuel tax increases necessary to pay for Indiana's roads and bridges? Just 52% say yes, the state needs new revenue sources. 48% say no, lawmakers shouldn't go looking in my wallet. If you would like to take part in the poll, go to wfyi.org slash iwir and look for the poll. The U.S. Senate this week took its first step toward repealing the Affordable Care Act. The vote, which came in the early hours of Thursday, was largely along party lines, 51 to 48. This procedural step lays the groundwork for Senate lawmakers to take a repeal vote in the future that needs just a simple majority to pass rather than the usual 60 votes. Indiana Democratic Senator Joe Donnelly was one of the no votes and says repealing President Obama's signature health care law without a solid plan to replace it will create what he calls chaos in the insurance marketplace. Donnelly has repeatedly voted in favor of the controversial health care measure, despite noting its flaws. The Senate Republican Campaign Committee is already blasting Donnelly for his vote. John Schwannis, will this vote and similar ones Donnelly will likely make in the coming months hurt him as he runs for re-election in 2018? I doubt it. I mean, if you look, yeah, that's, that appears to be a lightning rod issue and a, and a litmus test of sorts, and certainly factions of the Republican Party, the more conservatives end of the party. 
But if you look at the, the latest data, and I haven't seen a lot of Indiana-specific data, but if you look at Kaiser Family Foundation's uh, numbers, that's very respected, has been following this issue in a very nonpartisan fashion, probably back to 2010 and beyond, the public sentiment about uh, the Affordable Care Act, uh, even during its formulation. And I think it's 49%, those who are December numbers, so they're still pretty fresh nationally, 49, let's get rid of it, 47, let's keep it. But when you go into, do you want to get rid of it before there is a replacement uh, in effect or ha that has been identified, that's only about 20% yeah. of the American public wants that. So, no, I don't think it'll hurt them. And in fact, there's a danger here, I think, if Republicans don't get this right, that's where the danger comes, because if those 20 million people who 22. now... 22. who's counting those? If that, there's a pushback there, and if, and if all of a sudden people are getting kicked off of policies or can't get coverage because of pre-existing conditions or those kids that are yeah. between the ages of that could be 21 real, and 26 that could be who get... Help for that's going to be a pushback against Republicans who voted for the repeal. We've already seen uh, the National Republican Committee already hitting Joe Donnelly on this. We don't expect that to stop. Is that going to be effective? I think it will, and I think I disagree. I think this is going to be a really uh, big problem for Senator Donnelly. And if you think about it, Evan Bayh, Brad Ellsworth, Baron Hill, all voted for Obamacare, all lost their elections after the fact. Pre-repeal, pre though. Yeah. They, nobody saw the repercussions uh, yeah. yet. Yeah. But Obamacare is incredibly unpopular in Indiana. It still is, and I expect it's not going to grow in popularity over this time. And keep in mind, Trump Pence won Indiana by 19 points. I mean, this is going to be a big issue, and it's different than whatever two national issue, numbers two issue, that you're two talking years about. Two years voters in Indiana, like it in the rest of the country, are going to have buyer's remorse. In Indiana, there are 330,000 people covered by HIP 2.0. HIP 2.0 is Obamacare. But will, will our, voters be able to separate that oh, out? I, I think with, with the right amount of education uh, in, in the terms of uh, ads during the campaign, I think they will. And in addition to that, premiums went down in Indiana. They went down. So when you're talking about taking health care away from 330,000 people, because you want to have an ideolo ideological statement, and that's all this is. They don't have an agreement on how to replace it. You know, they want to take the good parts of it, fine. They don't have a way to pay for it. And they can't agree on a way to pay for it. And the reason they can't agree on a way to pay for it is because of the ideological split in the Republican caucus. If this was an easy fix, it would have been fixed when the President Obama asked to have it tweaked and to improve it, and they said no. You do make a good point, though, about the public trying to pick this apart, because I think of when Jay Leno's staff went out on the streets. Right. They don't know and the difference. They hated the people, overwhelmingly hated Obamacare, but they, they really the liked ACA. the Affordable yeah. Care Act. Right. And I think to a lot of people, this is just a talking point. Obamacare. There's this visceral reaction, bad. But, but she points out, she, she, she listed, I think Jennifer listed right. a bunch of people who, who lost races for re-election after they voted for the Affordable Care Act. But Joe Donnelly was one of those, and he won, won his election. race for the Senate. I, I think, In 2012, that race, I think, as we all know, was not about Joe Donnelly. And Evan Bayes it was wasn't about, about Donald Trump. It was Trump. about his opponent. And come 2018, it's going to be a very different situation where it will be about Senator yeah, Donnelly, and it will be an issue. And don't underestimate the number of Hoosiers who lost their doctors, who lost their plans. And to repeal it. Almost three million more people voted to keep it. You, uh, you know, I know Pence wants to say he has a, a mandate out there, but, that's but they not lost the but that's popular not an, vote. But that's not in Indiana. Well, well that's, that's not, not in Indiana, Indiana yet. I also think that, that nationally, certainly, and, and maybe eventually in Indiana, Republicans will rue the day when, instead of fixing the Affordable Care Act and making it a better law, which it definitely needs, 
um, that they decided to, ju- to dump it for the very reasons that John talked about, because there is not something to backfill. And if you have a two-year period where you have nothing out there or just you know uncertainty, you're going to have a lot of people questioning the wisdom of that. I think that, that they will rue the day that they didn't fix the law rather than uh, instead, and instead just dumping it. Joe Donnelly, has been, as he's talked about this, has really tried to tie it to Medicaid, well, obviously Medicaid, but Medicare, even Social Security, a little bit. Right. This, so entitlement reform as a whole, is that going to help him if he can lump in the Affordable Care Act with all that other stuff? Well, it has a Medicare component to it, too, for drug prices as well. So it's going to have an effect on senior citizens as well as on the Medicaid front of it. Again, I just don't think it's it's going to hurt him. I I think it really, as John suggests, I think the real danger here, because I'm not sure there is an easy fix or an easy solution, that's going to be the pain. Finally, as lawmakers finalized their bill list this week, there was a measure that would make it illegal to drive while you have a pet on your lap. Jennifer Hollowell, are we going to see loving Hoosier pet owners rise up at the State House over this one? Well, um, I actually almost had a deer on my lap this morning. <laughs> and, uh, there was a lot of and you could that. I would be all for it. But, you know, I don't know who's going to be more disappointed, the pet owners or the pets who really do enjoy That's running right. along. So you I'm know, not touching that. I, I don't know. We cannot insulate people from poor decisions, okay? You can't do that. Well, we'll I mean, try if, if you want to do this incident by incident, you know, whether it's coffee or makeup or taking your coat off, maybe we should just simply have a, an IQ test for well, the that's, that's inside that's, the seatbelt That's Indiana we can review. I don't know. That's Indiana we can review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Jennifer Hollowell, John Schwannis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Katzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity. I'm Brandon Smith of Indiana Public Broadcasting. Join us next time, because a lot can happen in an Indiana week. Ice Miller is proud to support Indiana Week in Review. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com.